This is Michael Cowan, and welcome to Trial Lawyer Nation. You've got to have the right case because if you take it up and it's the wrong case, then you can make some really bad law that's going to affect a lot of plaintiffs. There's always an answer. The joy is in finding. One of the reasons that I love being a lawyer is this exact process. The way we live our life has nothing to do with the presentation sequence at trial. As trial lawyers, we pick up and move on and keep going. You're losing or gaining one out of every 10 jurors, which can really make a huge difference in the ultimate result of the case. Whatever you think about, you create. Learn all you can and never stop. And then have the guts to try case after case after case. Welcome to the award-winning podcast, Trial Lawyer Nation, your source to win bigger verdicts, get more cases, and manage your law firm. And now, here's your host, noteworthy author, sought-after speaker, and renowned trial lawyer, Michael Cowan. Today on Trial Lawyer Nation, I have a good friend of mine and actually one of my secret weapons uh, when we try cases, uh, Pat Salcillo-Montes. Pat, how are you doing today? Wonderful. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. Um, Not everyone knows who Pat is. Uh, More and more people know who she is, but she's a lawyer, but she also helps lawyers and witnesses discover and tell stories. And if you look behind a lot of big verdicts in Texas, uh, you would find that Pat was intimately involved in them, even if she wasn't the person in the courtroom that you saw publicly. Uh, And I think if you talk to me and the verdict that I got this year, uh, and other people with their verdicts, you would see that that Pat is the the secret weapon that really helps you learn to discover and tell your story. So, how are you doing today, Pat? Well, I am. Uh, like I said, I'm wonderful, but I, you know, I'm I'm stuck like we all are, and um, but excited that that we get to talk about this. Yep. And there's hope on, on the on the being stuck. I mean, we, we've got vaccines on the horizon. Um, I just uh, we have more treatments getting approved. I'm, I'm just I'm just believing that, you know, by by next summer that we're going to be fairly back to normal. I'm just I'm praying that's true. Uh, well, let's go into tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I um, grew up in El Paso, Texas. So I'm fully bilingual, fully bicultural. I actually grew up in Juarez my first 10 years of school. And uh, so when we were brought to the U.S., my mom, uh, widow at that point, my dad got killed by a car, in a car wreck, actually by know. a drunk driver. And uh, so she brought us back to El Paso. You know, you, you and I grew up in the border towns where back then, uh, you know, people lived in once in in Mexico and they, they worked in El Paso, you know, in, in the, the U S side. And so we were all born in the U S and so she brought us back. And, uh, so they went my trajectory from there. Uh, my mom was a housekeeper, clean homes and, you know, six of her kids now have college degrees. And so wow. I come from a strong, a strong, uh, woman, a very proud culture. I'm, you know, very proud of being a Mexican American. This probably has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but I'm I'm just curious. What do you think it is that your mother did? Because uh, statistically, you know, a single mother working as a housekeeper doesn't have six children going to college uh, and graduating college. And now you're, you know, you're a successful lawyer. I think several other of your siblings are very successful. What is it you think 
about your family that, that allowed you all to do that? I think it comes with being proud of your culture and proud okay. of who you are and proud of who you come from. Um, I'm actually writing a book on that because oh, you are. Uh, yes, because I think that, that that's what we lack. I mean, you know, I know like part of my family, well, just my mother, my mother uh, was in, was a basketball player that played for the city of Juarez. And she was in, in 1952, they won the state championship. Uh, she used to sing on the radio. There's, there's, she was very proud of how her mother raised her, even though her mother really was cleaning somebody else's home. Uh-huh. But I think it, I think it has to do with pride. My father comes from another family that's very proud of who they are, very nationalistic. Um, and I think that we sometimes we don't know, not knowing where we come from and how. Like I, I, I love my Mexican culture, and I think that that. Uh, just knowing who who the people are in my ancestry, you know, is Indians that that built these great civilizations and invented the calendar and that kind of stuff. I think it just it it fuels you. And so I think that that uh, my mother had that strength of character of of uh, perseverance and um, just a you know can do attitude. Yeah, I think it comes. I think it comes from being proud of who you are. I'm just like I said. It's got nothing to do with our topic. It's just such a for those of us that want our society to be a better place. You always wonder, like, what is the motive? What what works? You know, because it's hard to hard to have just programs and stuff make society change. It's it's within families. It's within yes. you know communities, and it's just how do we how do we get there? So I'm I'm always. I'm always curious uh, to that. So, um, well, let's go talk a little bit more about the work stuff. So what is it that you do? Uh, I mean, you're a lawyer, you handle your own cases. uh, But aside from that, what is it you do uh, that that has brought you so much, uh, well, brought you to come here? Well, um, so you know that I um, attended the Trial Lawyers College and I did that back in 2000, the first time um, I attended the college in 2002, where I met you and you were my 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 teacher. <laughs> um, and so and so through that, I realized that I was handling my cases in a, in a, in a way where I really, I really didn't know the clients that I was, that, you know, that I was representing. So I was supposed to be their voice, but I didn't know them. I didn't know what their voice really was. And so I um, began scaling down my practice and, and, and I actually started, they, they teach you something, um, they teach you, they teach you a, a way for you to discover your own story. And I started really going to, to, to um, seminars, that kind of seminar to learn my own story and really deal with things within myself. Uh, and and I was doing it for me, but it started training me of and making me be a little bit more intuitive to not only myself, but to people around me and the clients. And, um, and since I spoke Spanish, some of my friends that I had met there uh, asked me to go and, and help them with their clients. And so we started, you know, I started doing that. And so after a while, you know, I, I, Remember that I could speak English. <laughs> so I started, help, I started helping people, 
you know, to, to find the client's story and, and be able to tell it. And so that's, that's how it all started. Just, it, you know, I just, it wasn't like I, I was focused on doing that. I'm consulting with other people, but I, it ended up being that that's what I do mainly now. Yeah. And just follow up on that. What kind of seminars did you go to, to learn uh, the techniques that you use? I went to psychodrama training is what it's called. I don't do psychodrama, but the, the techniques that they use in, in getting past the client's outer shell and or people's outer shell, our own outer shell and finding what, you know, what is behind that. Uh, and it's not like I'm actually doing that, but it, but it taught me that there's layers that, that sometimes those jurors don't get to see. Sometimes we don't get to see. And we have to see those layers. We have to see be, behind those layers so that we're able to get the people that we're representing, our clients, we get, we get them to get in touch with their own feelings, with their own what's really going on inside. And when we learn that story, then we're able to get them to connect that story to the jurors and have the jurors hear the story from a totally different layer, from a, the, the inner layer, not just the outer layer, the inner layer. I know you don't do psychodrama, but we, you know, we're going to have a big spectrum of listeners. So some people will have taught at the Trial Lawyers College, have been to psychodrama workshops, but we also probably have a couple thousand people listening that have never heard the term before, or maybe heard it once and have no idea what it is. Could you just tell us, like in plain English, what psychodrama is? Psychodrama is finding the truth in action. So, I mean, it's just very easy. Just you, you, you have a group and you have the person who, who is doing a psychodrama. You have a director who's directing, you know, this, this person to go into different scenes of their life. And as we're watching the scenes, we get to be part of that person's drama. This is what you call it, you know, the drama. But in reality, what we're doing is we're stepping into clients' truths, into people's truths. So we're trying to find the truth in action. And sometimes the person who's who's uh, doing the action, the person who one of my my uh, mentors calls the star, the star who is our client, they don't even realize some of the things or why they did the things. Once they get put back in there, they, they, they get a different realization of that. And the group itself is is one of our mentors also says that the person who's doing, who's being the star, they're carrying everybody's pain. So they're going, they're, they're, people start connecting with that experience that they're seeing. And it, it, it makes everybody travel to, to a different experience in their own life. And so we're connecting. It's, it's really a, to me, it's a, it's a, a way of being able to connect with other humans to with other human experiences. Yeah. Now, you know, I think if I remember right, psychodrama was developed by Jacob Moreno, uh, one of the uh, contemporaries of Freud, Sigmund Freud, actually. And but it was originally developed for actually group psychotherapy. Uh, what is the difference between, you know, the use, the, the true psychodrama that a, a therapist would do for mental health reasons uh, or even, you know, his personal discovery reasons and 
what you do, which is using some of these techniques in discovering a witness's story or helping a witness get ready for, to testify or helping a lawyer get ready to tell a story, how would you describe the differences? I, the difference is that we are, um, you know, we'll, I, what I use is things like reversing roles with, you know, reversing roles, the lawyers reversing roles with the client to, to, to identify with what the client may be feeling, you know, things like that. Um, getting the client out of their, their shell by, you know, something that, that, that is used as concretizing, like, you know, find something in the room that represents how you're feeling because people don't, it's hard for them to concretize things or come up with really what they're feeling. If you ask them, how are you feeling? I'm feeling fine. Now, something, find something in the room that represents how you're really feeling. Well, you know, that picture right there, the clouds, I really, you know, it's making me feel like that. So what I use helps the client be able to translate uh, some of their feelings, right? Now, psychodrama, it, it actually, that's, that's by, done by therapist. And it's, you know, if somebody's having an issue, they you know, they get taken to, to deal with that issue. And it's done by psychodramatists. It has to do with one issue. And, um, and it may take them places where they need to go, but it's done by a therapist. What I do is I use some of those techniques, which are really, you know, it's reversing roles with somebody or reversing roles with, uh, with the other person from the other side, you know, what might they have felt? or uh, that that's different. And then another thing that I, that I, that another reason why my, my method is, which is a little bit, it's different. My method is different because I, I'm always thinking, I prepare clients for the deposition. Okay. Uh-huh. Right. First. So in the, in the, in the process, I'm preparing the, the lawyer, the lawyer has to be there. The lawyer team is usually there. So I prepare the, the lawyer and the and the client for deposition to begin with. And I'm preparing them, I'm I'm always getting them to realize that as they're doing this process, their audience is going to be a jury. In the process, the lawyer will be part of it, will be coming in and out. And uh, they find themes. You know, sometimes we think, well, what you know, what's the theme of this? slip and fall case, you know, you're asking your fellow lawyers, well, what's the theme specifically from what you find in the story that you find about this case and about this client, right? So it's, anyway, the, the point is that it is very different than doing a psychodrama on somebody's personal issues. This is not about right. personal issues. It's about finding the truth in, of the story. Yeah, one thing I found that really is helpful is a lot of our clients, and even some of us as lawyers, as much as we don't want to admit it, but a lot of our clients don't have great communication skills. I mean, in their daily lives, they don't need to describe something with such particularity and, and such accuracy that they can withstand cross-examination on it. I mean, they can just kind of describe things in generalities. It doesn't really matter. Uh, whereas, you know, we need to give very descriptive things that are going to move a jury and withstand cross, you know, how is it that you, that you found that putting things into action helps the client later orally describe something better? Okay. Well, you know, and, and I'll, I'll 
go a little bit through what I do. Sure. Because what I think that I, that what I think that this process does is get the client convicted about how they what they feel. Uh-huh. And so and so what I do is I take them first of all, you know, I start off with asking them um, the effect of this crash on their life, right? And I find out a lot about uh, about their life or about the way they deal with even this question from their first answer. Sometimes they say, you know, my um, it's been an inconvenience. Okay, well, um, I, it, and I had this happen in, in this one case uh, out in Houston with one of our uh, trial lawyers. Um, you know, I look at the lawyers and they're like, they're, their mouth open, this lady lost her eye. And I ask her husband, um, you know, you give me a word. And he says, she stole my word. So I know that this couple is not, is not really dealing, you know, they're not somebody who, they're not people who can, who can, who are really identifying with what's really going on, but they're also, um, you know, they're not comfortable with, with, with uh, complaining. All right. Well, Um, you and I had one where my client who had lost a limb the word she used was blessing because it allowed her to uh, to find out how much she could overcome and, and how much she could accomplish by overcoming her uh, her loss. And it, it took a day to just get her to get real and tell the whole story of, yes, she is an amazing human being because of what she overcame, but it doesn't mean that there was nothing to overcome and, right. and, and, and learning to tell that story. And that was a that was an interesting day. We were—I was a little scared that one, but the process worked when when we went through the whole thing. But it was when you put her life into action and made made her show us what she did that she had she couldn't, she, you know, she couldn't fake it anymore. She had to show us how she did things, and she realized that they weren't the same. And it just uh, was very cathartic for her. I think she uh, she talked about how emotionally how good it was for her to go through that, even though that was I think the first time she had cried actually since she lost a limb was that day. And, and the truth is, she does feel it's it's a blessing. That is part of the truth. I mean, it's yeah, not. Absolutely. Yeah. And for us to know it, and it's part of the truth that, you know, that this was an inconvenience. And so now. It's not the whole truth. <laughs> but it's not the whole truth. Right. And so, uh, but it, it's not like we're, you, you know, we're trying to find the truth, but mm-hmm. then that truth, it's, it even makes us feel even more like in your case, I, I, I just had somebody I work with that had a miss and she said, you know, this was a blessing, the same thing, you know, cause it got, it got worse. But the thing is that it makes us admire that, that person more. So part of what we're doing is we're, we're getting convicted about our client. We're trying to find, and what I always say is I find the good in people. Yeah. I want us, you know, there's always this good. There's always something that we can admire about the client. And if we go into trial, admiring our client, you know, loving who we're walking with, you know, it, it makes the whole thing so different. But even before we do that, if the client is feeling like they're understood, like they, there's no judgment, they feel like they're able to, to tell the story. Right. Yeah. I think so, so many times our clients are afraid to tell us the whole story because they think there's a story they're supposed to tell us. And there's a story we want to hear. And, you know, and juries have such great bullshit detectors. I mean, yeah. if you say something that is not true, they, they, they sense it and, and they punish you for it. I mean, you really have to work hard 
to discover what is the whole truth of this story. Uh, you know, so if you go in and talk about my, you know, my husband I lost was the absolutely perfect man and he never raised his voice and he never said a bad word and he went to mass every morning. Uh, you know, it's just not a believable story. Uh, yeah. And this is part of the discovering it. And you know what? Um, you know, so when I first start off, you know, I, I want like, I'll ask them, you know, not only the effect, but, you know, when did this crash happen? So if they say it was devastating. When did this crash happen? Well, I don't know. It could have been two years, maybe three years. And it's like, then I'll, I'll place myself. Cause what I do is I come in not knowing anything about the case. You know that uh-huh. because I tell the client, you know, I come in as if I were a juror trying to figure out what do I want to know? Because we as lawyers are mired in the legal. We've already been hearing all this oh, pre-existing conditions and, you know, your client can't speak English and all this stuff. So our mind is, the, you know, we're, we've got the lawyer mind, right? So I come in trying to figure out what, you know, what do I want to know about this, about this story, right? And I tell the client, okay, look, and I, I'll move myself and say, I'm this juror, you know, you, you took three, you're taking three days of my life. You say your life is devastating and you can't even remember the date of the crash. You know, and it's like, it starts getting the client to realize, okay, so it's not like we're telling them, they're actually going through the process with us, right? At any time that they say, same thing, it's been an inconvenience and I get back here or it's uncomfortable. And I become the juror, really uncomfortable? I'm uncomfortable sitting here in this chair. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm really, it's not really, is that what it is? But I'm not telling them, they have to figure it out themselves. They have to be a part of the team. And sometimes we leave the client, you know, in the dark. Yeah. We can't do that. The client has got to be a part of knowing what it is that is that, that we need to, to do for the deposition, for the trial. Let them convince themselves, okay, I get it. All right. And I only have to do a few of those. But whenever, you know, they go off, it's like, you know, I'll become the juror. It's like, okay, really? And um, so I just, it, it you know, that's one of the things that that I think that is important for uh, for them to realize who their target audience is. Each year, the law firm of Cowan Rodriguez Peacock pays millions of dollars in co-counsel fees to attorneys nationwide on trucking and company vehicle cases. If you have a case involving death or catastrophic injuries and would like to partner with our firm, please contact us. We have experience finding potential defendants that other firms miss, and we've added millions of dollars to cases by finding these sources of recovery. If you have a catastrophic injury or death case where the policy limits appear to be insufficient, give us a call. If we can find another defendant, we can partner on the case. And if we can't, then we won't ask for any of the fees. You can reach Delisi Friday by calling 210-941-1301 or send an email to podcast at triallawyernation.com. She will coordinate a time for Michael Cowan to speak with you in person or by phone to discuss the case in detail. And now back to the show. And then, you know, once I do that, then, I, then I'll ask them, tell us, you know, give us a word to describe your life before a word or a phrase. They may say, you know, a lot of the times because it's been two years, let's say it's hard for them to realize or to go back in time. And what I want to do is I want to take them back in time. Uh-huh. Because I feel like if the jury can see the before, the jury can feel the loss. Yeah. But before the jury sees the before, they have to go back 
and, you know, go back into that vivid before so that when they're telling the before, because let me tell you what I have found, it's hard. I don't, you know, I don't do the woes me. We don't want to ever do the woes me. No. Right. We want them to talk about what life was like. We want them, we want to see that life. We as the jurors want to figure out, want to say, you know what? Wow. You know, why would you want to go from a joyful, active life to go to a life that's devastated? Doesn't make sense. So it, it intrigues the jurors and it intrigues us. Let's see what actually happened to you to get us to that point, right? So I, you know, they'll give me one word, but you know, sometimes they say my life was in transition, or I was almost getting back to 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 life, or I was, you know, I was almost getting back to where I used to be. You know, maybe you know they, I don't know, lost their house or something happened. So now we know. And you're right. It's, you know, it's not going to be, it was perfect and, you know, joyful all the time. You know, what, what was it like? And so, and I leave it at that. So I've got one word of the effect of it. I've got another word of what life was like before. And then we go and we go back in time to figure things out, right? You know, we go into the client's uh, damages to the body any and all symptoms, because sometimes the clients will say, well, I've got, had a back injury and a neck injury. Well, let's really look at that. You know, your, your neck injury, any problems with your arms, any problems with your hands? Oh yeah, my hands used to tingle and they still tingle a lot. I get this pain. So it's telling you, the lawyer, how your client sees things, what they really, how they testify, um, because a lot of times, you know, we, we, we give the clients the medical records so they can review them, but they don't mean anything. Half the time they don't, they don't read them. Yeah. So then, you know, so then I go through things like that. One of the things that, that has been happening because I work with a lot of, uh, catastrophically injured clients or clients who have been in, in 18 wheeler cases and stuff like that, they, they'll, they'll eventually, when I say symptoms, well, you know, now I, I I have this 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 ringing in my ear all the time. It's like this high pitch, and then um so and then I start asking them questions. Well, you know any any problems with your visual, any visual disturbances? I had a client who said not too long ago. She said she she started crying and she said I keep seeing people appear on the sides and I look and they're not there and I get so scared. So these questions have not been asked by doctors. Yeah. You know, the clients go to a chiropractor, they go to their, they don't even, they don't understand or they don't connect what's going on with their, you know, their, their head damage a lot. You know, and I'll ask, did you hit your head? Yeah. my, you know, and I'm asking questions and I'm, I'm being very careful not to, I just ask, you know, I have to be very careful. I want to make sure, because part of what, what is happening actually is, that as they're telling their story, like they'll, I'll ask, like that lady that started crying, okay, there's credibility there, right? You know, it's like, look, you're not going to start crying with, so I want to make sure that the lawyer is seeing the reaction of the client. Because let me tell you what, a lot of these cases, the first person that has to be convinced is the lawyer. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know that, and you and I know that, I had a client, 
uh, a lawyer, a lot of times the lawyers will bring me in because the clients, um, you know, they, they don't understand the client. And the way they say it is the jury's not going to understand the client. Well, that means that you don't understand the client, right? So uh, a young lady gets hit by an 18 wheeler and she had this exquisite pain. I call it exquisite now because I know what it is now, but this pain that, and he said, you know, I, I have a real hard time with this client. Like she keeps complaining. Like she complains, she overly complains. Well, she, when, when I started asking her about her symptoms, she said, you know, I've got these weird things. My, my leg is a different color than the other leg. My, you know, my, my leg sweats, you know, where I'm going with this one, right? Because you and I know that. So even though I'm helping discover the story, I really, I've got my, you know, 30 years of lawyering that comes into play. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I said, you know, I think we need to, you know, has the doctor ever said anything about, and I, you know, CRPS, right? Uh, complex, complex regional pain syndrome, yeah. Right. And she said, she said, uh, is he said something about something that I might have that used to be called something else. <laughs> so RSD, right? But yeah. the lawyer wasn't aware, first of the syndrome, and you and I know that that's a horrible syndrome. Um, but things like that, when you talk about symptoms, which we never talk about, you know, uh, then it starts getting the client to to reveal other things that even the doctors have not uh, asked about. So it's it, that process is uh, you know it's a it's a it's eye opening I think that for the lawyers and um, as we're talking I'm really thinking that we need to try to find some way to incorporate at least some of this not necessarily the full on a lot earlier than when we're getting ready for depositions because, you know, one problem I've noticed is that, you know, the doctors, one, you know, clients don't want to feel like complainers and and they don't think about everything before they go in there. And then the doctors don't give them much time. I mean, they want to get in, get out, uh, see, you know, see so many patients per day. And so they only kind of get the big stuff. And, and I think a lot of stuff gets missed where, you know, if we could find a way to, to systematically spend more time and ask these questions early, right. uh, not only would it make our clients realize that we actually care about them, but also then we could say, okay, well, let's write this down and take it to the doctor with you so you don't forget. And the doctor can give you, you know, properly diagnose you and give you the treatment you need. Uh, Cause you know, we want, you know, uh, in an ideal world, we're trying to make our cases a little smaller because we want our clients to get better if they can. And if they can at least document what's going on so we can get what's fair for them. Right. So let me tell you, uh, let me tell you how that can uh, can be done. So yeah, one, of steps, yeah, one of the steps that I, the, the next step, or one of the steps, not the next step, but the next, one of the steps that I take is I'll say, okay, so I'll have the lawyer, because this is hard to describe. So I'll have the lawyer describe a pain that they've had, I don't know, in the last two, three years, right? And so um, with younger, younger lawyers, it's like 10 years, you know, because they haven't had a pain in the last year. Yeah, for you and I, it's probably in the last 12 hours. <laughs> last three months, right? So so this is, so I, I start um, getting the client, I'm, pre I'm uh, preparing the client to begin describing things by themselves uh, in a very different manner. So I ask them to describe the pain, a pain, this is say the back pain, describe the sensation of the pain, but I've had, I'll have the, the lawyer model their pain. Right. Describe the sensation of the pain, compare that pain to something else, 
then tells how it makes you feel, right? So, you know, the sensation of my back pain, or they say, let's say the sensation of my pain that runs down my leg, right? Sciatica coming from the back. So it's a pain that runs down my, it starts in my back. It It's sharp. So that's a sensation. It's sharp down my thigh, up to my knee. It throbs when it gets to my calf. My large toe is numb. It's like if, so compared to something else, so we're finding the metaphor. Uh, it's like if somebody is injecting me with a cold blue liquid. Wow. And when it gets to my, and it, in, in the calf, it feels uh, heavy. It's like if I have a piece of metal. And in my calf, it feels like I've got little thigh, little uh, fists that are hitting me from inside. And my toe sometimes feels like I don't have it. And it makes me feel, it makes me feel helpless and it makes me feel, it just makes me feel sad that, just sad that it's there. Totally different perspective. You're not complaining. You're telling it like it is. And so that's, that's the, that's where I, where the, the clients who are very stoic, that's, that's, that helps them. That's the clients are very histrionic. That helps them because all it is, all that they're doing is they're telling it like it is. And I think that analogy or metaphor, I don't know what it is when you say like, I, I knew when I took English in high school and it's been a while. Uh, but when you're describing a lot, you know, the, to me, the medical type terminology, sharp, dull, radiates, tells me nothing. Uh, I don't feel anything when I hear that. Oh, I have a sharp pain in my back. I, I don't feel anything viscerally when I hear that. But when you talk about, you know, I feel the, you know, the ice cold going down my leg. I feel like someone's pushing it from the inside. That I feel when I get those visual descriptions, I actually like viscerally feel something. Yeah. Well, and it, sometimes though, even though it, a lot of times they'll, they'll start off with sharp, but sometimes the clients will say, it's like a pinching. It's like a hitting me. It's like, I mean, they all actually come out with their sensation. It's like, it's a pounding, like a, you know, and so it helps them jump into the, it's like if, so I'll ask the lawyer, I'll ask the client, sometimes they they can't find a metaphor. I'll say, okay, so what would you have to do to Michael for him to feel that? Oh man, I'd have to hit him with a hammer. I mean, then, so is it like they're hitting you with a hammer? And so it, 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 it really, what it does, I think that this is something that, yes, we do have to incorporate very early on because they're missing telling the, 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 the doctors and it brings so much credibility because we will have a group, our group, will, everybody's got a back injury, but everybody's describing it differently. Well, mine is burning and mine is it's like a hot coal and mine is this and mine is that. It just brings in the struggle to, to describe it. It brings a lot of credibility. Absolutely. Yeah. So what are some of the other techniques you use to discover the client's story? Well, um, you know, when, when I first start off, I, I also, I ask everyone, like, let's say, um, let's say it's somebody, you know, let's say it's, you know, they, they say it's been a devastating, it's had a devastating effect on my life. I'll ask the group um, if, you know, to, to describe a moment where they felt devastated because I want them to see that in this little group, in our little group, everyone has had, has been in that mo- in a moment where they felt devastated. 
because I tell them, look, these jurors are not going to identify with your life being devastated from this wreck because you look fine. And, but they will be able to identify with what it feels like to be in that moment where you feel devastated, you know, where you feel abandoned, you feel um, distraught, you feel depressed, you feel, I want them to identify with that. And so, and I'll ask the client, it's been two years. It's true that you have felt like people just don't understand you. People don't, don't get it. Every single person will say yes. Yeah. And I, and I say, so, so I said, so what do you do? You clam up. You don't talk about it. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And so it's, it starts with them to, to be, start opening up with us. So we, because they, they realize, okay, maybe, you know, may, maybe somebody will understand. Right. But it starts with them realizing that they're going to have to do extra for these jurors and, and, their tr- and I tell them, what I want you to do, I just want you to trust that those jurors, they've had something in their life where they have felt like that and they'll be able to, to, to understand at least that. Um, and so it, it, it puts them at ease. It lets them, okay. And then knowing that the group feels, you know, or, or, or are open to understanding them, I think that that, it just changes the whole the whole perspective of how they're going to be through our session. You know, you really, uh, I tried a case earlier this year uh, with a widow and it was a case I took over from someone else and you helped us on the case. Uh, And it's a case that had been going on for 10 years before we got involved. I mean, just long, long story. There were some insurance coverage issues and I guess a lot of lawyers said there wasn't a sure way to get paid, didn't really want to spend the time and money to try it. and one thing I noticed, you know, that really, really hit me uh, was when we're getting ready for trial, she said, in the 10 years since her husband died, this was the first time she felt like anyone actually listened to her and anyone actually, you know, valued what she had to say. Yeah. And, and you know, it's scary to go there with yeah. our clients. But then we want the jurors to go there. <laughs> you know, it's like you said it at the beginning. Those jurors, they're good. They're, well, you know, we all detect yeah. what really is going on in front of us. You know, you don't have to tell us. Um, with, uh, you know, so when they go when they go to a deposition or when they go to trial, what I'll do is I'll find them a safe place to testify. And yeah, because this woman had such a hard shell before you worked with her, and we were really worried about it. So tell us a little bit about that safe place. Well, um, so I take them to a place. You know, sometimes the client is very, very shy, doesn't speak up for herself. I'll take her. Let's go to a place where you have felt very, very emboldened, very, very proud. Very, you, 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 you felt like you really needed to, to tell your piece. A lot of times, that mom is going to go to where she had to go to school and speak for her kid because she can't speak for herself, but she can speak for her kid. And I tell them, and this is really what we're doing. You know. Let's go to a moment in your life where you have felt, a lot of times I'll use proud, but in this case, let's say you felt very emboldened, very good about who you are. Let's go there. Or, and, 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 you know, and I always tell them it's, you know, it could be any time of your life. So let's, let's go there. Describe the moment, sounds and smells and colors. How old are you? 
and and they start imagining in their mind that moment they start going they they take themselves there and so then i have them describe it you know what's what's in front of you well there's you know the 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 principal and you know what do you see behind them there's all these books what does it smell like and so i tell them that what they're doing is that they're practicing telling a story uh practicing describing a scene because that's really something that you you're going to get them to do at trial but you know so they're practicing it so anyway so at the end you know she says her piece and you know and it smelled of um i don't know smelled of the lavender because it's a teacher that's got lavender all lavender right so and so then and you know the 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 smell is a very strong, powerful um, sense that brings you back to to that place. So anyway, so they recreate the scene, and then and they get themselves to feel that, and then I have them close their eyes and take us there, and they're recreating it, and and so they they take themselves there, and then I, I ask them, what's the what's the feeling? And invariably they'll say, I feel strong, I feel powerful, I feel confident, right? And so then, uh, and when they open their eyes, it's like, wow, I went there. And the lawyer, I'll have the lawyer also be in that moment. And they'll say, what was the feeling? I felt honored or I felt. And so they, they, they see that whenever they describe this and what happens is that the audience goes into your story. Now you may go into the story when you stood up for your little brother in front of a bully, but it's, but you're, you're, you're connecting with feelings. And once the client gets that, that, you know, they, well, they, they, one, they get it so that they can understand why you're going to take them through that at trial. But two, what I do is I tell them for the deposition, instead of walking into the deposition, you're going to walk into, you know, Mrs. Uh, Martinez's um, office, right? As you're walking in, you know, you, you put out, get some lavender, you know, put it in your, in your wrist, smell that lavender as you're walking in, into the deposition room, you're walking into Mrs. Martinez's class, uh, office. Um, and so I tell them they're going to be in a zone. You're not nervous. You're not intimidated. You're not defensive. And I always, when I say that, I bring in their defensiveness. You know, it's like your defensiveness is you laugh whenever you, you, you tell stories or whenever you feel bad and it's, you laugh instead and it's not congruent. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do. Or, you know, you, you feel shy about saying things. You, you know, whatever that defensiveness, and you're not going to be angry. And a lot of times, you know, a lot of times anger is what stops these, these clients from, and, and I have, I offer the, the, the lawyer to pick up that anger at that point. But when they, when they testify, I mean, they're, I mean, they love it. They just come in and they're in, and they're doing this. They're in a, and I tell them you're in a zone, right? Yeah. You don't. And, it, and sometimes when it's a, when it's guys that have played football, you're in the zone. It's like, you know, you're not going to hear smack from the other side. You're, you're not going to be distracted by that. So anyway, so that, that teaches them to create scenes or to describe scenes and that is so they can bring in that jury, the, the the audience or the other side. And that teaches them and that takes them to a place where they can actually feel better about what they're talking about. And how long does this process take? Well, it could take um, 
it can take all day. I've done it in, you know, sometimes two days. Uh, a lot of the times, half a day. You know, I do, um, you know, depending on, on what the, the case is. Um, so, yeah. But and, and when, I, when I first created this, I started doing work with, with a big law firm in, in town who um, she had mid-size, kind of mid-size cases more back then. And so we were doing shorter um, sessions. Um, but it was, you know, even if it's a smaller case, and really they were probably smaller to, to medium cases, but if it was a smaller case, it made the case better. The other side, when they hear the way the client speaks, you know, how vividly they speak and how, how, how in touch they are with everything that's, that's gone on, they, they write a better report. And so, and so that's how I started, you know, cause we'll talk next about, um, we'll talk next about all the activities and the hobbies and pastimes. There's, you know, I'm getting them to get in touch with, with, the before so much that the other side is like, okay, you know, they, they think twice about the way these, these clients testify. Yeah. You know, if it's one thing we've been talking about uh, a lot at, uh, at the firm level, you know, we have a lot of clients right now who just don't want to get a lot of medical treatment because of COVID. They are, they are legitimately afraid that if they, if they go in to get all these, you know, injections or other procedures, they're repeatedly, you know, exposing themselves. And, you know, some like El Paso, uh, Maverick County, uh, you know, has both of them have really high COVID rates right now. And uh, I don't know about you, but I have a lot of friends. I mean, I got a text. One of my friends, thank the Lord, just got out of the hospital uh, in the last few hours uh, with COVID. So it's just uh, a frightening time. So we're really looking at getting out of the mindset of what are, what is the medical treatment? How much, you know, does this person have surgery or not? Has the doctor said they need surgery or not? And and go back into what is it they loved to do before? Right. You know, what, what was, what were the joys in their life and how has this affected them? And what's the difference? Uh, and, and let's think about what the person went through in the loss, not about what the doctors, what the medical bills were or the medical treatment was. And, you know, and I think if we try cases that way, we're going to do a lot better. Right. Um, now and it's so, going to be harder to settle them because it's not the algorithm that the insurance companies have in their computer systems. But why should we let them decide what cases are worth? Um, right. Well, you know, people are going to trial without taking uh, putting in the medical bills. So yeah. But so what we do in that regard, you know, we'll have the client list the stuff that was going on in their life, but then we'll have them tell us what it meant or brought to their life. Because a lot of the times, I'll tell you, you know, they'll describe the job, they'll, they'll talk about the job, but they'll say it brought me respect, it brought me, uh, it brought me joy, it brought me friendships. They don't even talk about money. Yeah. So because these things, and it, I think that this is what we, we, we represent the clients on, the things that have been taken, the loss of choices, and the struggles. We never, and the struggles... Well, and, and I think with COVID, I think we can focus even more on the struggles. But when when it comes down to what each one of these things meant or brought to the client's life, I think that that that's where we get that anguish. That's where we we figure out. And then I have the the lawyer reverse roles with each one of these parts of their lives, and the client might say, um, 
you know, it brought me, it brought me joy. And the lawyer will say flexibility. It brought me freedom. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. And the client is realizing that this lawyer gets him. That it's a really, it's really interesting when, when the client, you know, shows us not only the activities, the passions, the activities, the hobbies, the passions, but what they mental brought. And to me, you know, it, I think that it opens the, the lawyer's mind as to, wow, you know, the, the, the losses are even worse, you know? Yeah. Thank you to everyone who attended Cowan's Big Rig Bootcamp in August. We had an excellent virtual turnout this year and are already thinking of how we can continue to raise that bar for next year. If you'd like to attend virtually in 2021, be sure to mark May 20th, 2021 on your calendar now and save the date. To stay updated with details as they become available, visit BigRigBootCamp.com and sign up for our mailing list. And now back to the show. You said the struggles. I think that's really important. I'd like you to give a little bit more detail. What do you mean by the client's struggles? So, you know, there was a period of time when whenever the clients would say, you know, I'd ask them the the effects of this crash. And all they would talk about is the loss of their car. I lost my car. I couldn't get to this. And, you know, and the lawyers were like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but, well, we, you know, we we don't want to step into where, you know, this is about the damage to your body. Well, yes, but this, the, you know, just even losing your car, when you don't have a car, when that's how you get to work, when that's where your whole family is, all that, we need to deal with that, right? But also with all these things, you know, at the end, I ask about the effect of each one of these parts of their life. And it's not like they're not going to go back to work, but now you're, you're going to go in pain on pain medications, you're going to go, uh, you, you've got to do things slower. you got to ask other people for help. You're going to do things uh, less frequently. You're going to not do some of the things or you're going to do some of the things and you suffer later. And I, I bring this up to the clients because I tell them sometimes the client will walk into the office and say, I can't even walk anymore. Well, what he really means is, they have to define, I can't walk without pain. I can't, because that's another thing that we have to, and this is all about communication. And, right. and we got to tell the client, we don't undermine anything, but we do not exaggerate anything. Exactly. But we will define, right? So in, in that is the struggles. And so when they're, I think that sometimes when the clients say, I can't even walk, we as lawyers turn off. So, it's it, it, because that's not really what they meant, but it's like, oh, this lady complains a lot or, right. you know, or, you know, or, or, or I just had a guy this week that he's like, nope, I'm back at work and I'm very fine. Okay, well, let's explore that. No, that's true. You know, I do have to take pain medication. That's true. Now I'm not doing this job. I don't get on the forklifts anymore. I'm, they put me to be the supervisor, you know, all that stuff. Which takes me to another one, another thing that I think that is very important for us to know as lawyers. You know, I asked them who influenced you to be the kind of person that you are. And there is, there's where we find, well, my dad said, I don't care what you, you, you work for your family. Don't be a yoron. Don't be a crybaby, right? 
don't. And so, and, and, and I, when I, when we do that, it, it, and some of the, you know, at the end, when we're talking about the effects of the crash on each one of the parts of their life, I'll, I'll remind them. So you've got dad right here telling you, telling you, no, 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 no. You go back to work. I don't care if it hurts. You, you support your family because that's what we can't get away from. And yeah. if the family understands that, you know, they understand that, that, you know, you know, that's cause that's how you and I are. Right. It's like, who, what is it that, that, that keeps feeling you? The first question that you asked me, you think I'm going to complain when my mother was out there cleaning homes. You think that I'm going to complain and say that I don't No, I mean, look at what she did with six kids. Look at me, one child, you know, really? What do I have to complain about? Yeah. So that, that when you, when we understand that, that that's where the client lives in that world and they're going to make themselves despite what it is that, you know, well, why didn't you go to the doctor? Because you know what? If I take a day off, I may lose the job. And you know what? It's not you telling me, lawyer. It's my dad saying, you better not. I think sometimes when clients are overstating is because they are so afraid that no one's going to believe them that they have to. And I think when we spend the time to build the trust with them, which what you do uh, really does build that, that relationship of trust, uh, then they'll be more comfortable telling it like it is and not feeling like they have to go above and beyond to be believed. Now, some people just want to get more money and, and there's not much we can do about that other than try to convince them that it doesn't work and it's a bad idea. But I find more often than not, when a client is overstating to me, it's because they're so worried I'm not going to believe them. Because there's something in their life where people don't believe them unless they make a big deal about it. Um, and they just feel like that's what they have to do. Or they think that's the role. They think that's what they're supposed to do. Because yeah. maybe that's what other people told them or what they saw on TV. You know, I don't know how many times I had someone's like, you know, is it okay if I go back to work? I don't want to mess up my case. Like, yeah, go back to work. I mean, what, why would you not go back to work? I mean, I get more money from jurors when people do go back to work, honestly, is what I found uh, that they like the they, they like helping people that are helping themselves. Uh, but I think it's a lot of it just goes down to can we get enough trust between us and the client where the client will actually tell us the, the whole truth um, and, and expose themselves that way? Because it is a, a vulnerability uh, that, you know, a lot of times people don't aren't comfortable doing until they really take the time. And I think one one good thing about what you do is that, you know, there's so much non-judgmental listening uh, that the clients actually start to believe, oh, we, I, my lawyer actually does care. It's yeah. not just about, he wants me to say X, Y, and Z so we get some money on this case, but he actually, or she actually does care what's really happening with me. Yeah. Uh, and then they, then they feel like I don't have to play the role of the victim. I can start telling you what's really happened to me so we can go develop the true story. Cause I think that's one of the biggest mistakes I see is people get what they think is the ideal story. And that's the story they want to tell. And it's not the truth. Yeah. Uh, and, and the lawyer doesn't want to hear the truth and the client doesn't think they're supposed to tell the truth. And then it, then it all goes downhill. Um, right. And the truth yeah. is just so far, even if it's not a perfect story, uh, the truth is just so powerful in the courtroom. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that people, sometimes people think that, like you said, they have to have a perfect story before but yeah. what I tell them, you know, is that if they, the less they have, the more they lose. They'll yeah. say, you know, my life was in transition. And I'll tell them, well, the last thing you need in your, in your life was a crash. The last thing you need in your life was, you know, for you to have surgery. So they feel okay. It's like, okay, you know, it's, 
you know, I'm going to reveal what was there. You know, I was homeless. You know, I was already homeless. Well, the last thing you need, you know, is to not even have a car to sleep on. Yeah. In, you know, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, a journey that we take with our clients and it, it feels very honorable, honored. Like we, I, I feel very honored. And I think, I think you do the same, you know, you feel like, wow. And at the end, when we, you know, after we've gone through specifically what each one of those parts, there's one little thing that I do that I think that is very, very important. Uh-huh. But, you know, the client said that their life was active. After we go through our, through, through their life, through the, the activities in their life, I'll ask us lawyers, let's find some other words to describe their life. I've got one right here. His life was athletic. He was social. He was a servant. He was trustworthy. He was full. He was happy. He was stable. He was a caregiver. He was respectful, hardworking, uh, friendly, confident, uh, strong, family focused. So we find all these words that that his life sh- is showing. So the you know the person just feels like wow, because he agrees, but he know but you know the the it's there's an ease of wow my life does show who I was. I don't have to, like what you said, I don't have to, you know, I, I don't have to make sure that, you know, my life shows. And so it, it gives them an ease um, because what I think that, I think that these, the, the clients, like you said, they, they feel like they have to tell the story where well, they've already told us a story. Our journey is they tell us a story. And then, you know, they know that you're going to be able to guide them to really tell the story. Like if, when you go to trial, like they, they're, they're so trusting after that. You're, you have a connection. And when you share, which is the last thing that I do, and you know that we do this with, this is from drama, from psychodrama. You, you share how, what you related or it, what, how you identified or what resonated from your own life. And so many times it's like, it might be something like, you know what? My mother told me the same thing when I was growing up, you know, you work, I don't care what, or it might be, um, I don't care what I'm going to do, but I'm going to be home with the kids. I don't care if I have to do whatever it is, I'm going to be home with the kids. And that resonates with me. And the important thing is that this, where you resonate with the client, what I have found out, and I tell the lawyers, where what you share with a client at the end, that's that's what hits you. That's where you connect with them. And that's going to be your Vodire question. Hmm. How many of you in this, you know, in this room um, feel like they'll do whatever it takes to be home with the kids? They don't care what they'll do to provide for the kids or to be home with the kids. And then the, the case now is about you and how you connect with the with the client because for you that's the bigger truth that's the universal truth for you anyways you find i mean beautiful things come from doing this process and yeah. you know that another because- another beautiful thing i found when we do it early enough you know if you wait till right before trial this doesn't work but you know one thing you do is you reenact scenes from their life um, and so you know when you talk about you know What's something that brought you joy? And they talk about, you know, well, what's the time you went there? And you go back there and you reenact, let's say, a, a, a family gathering or work, being at work or doing something athletic. And then you have different people. Can I say a tamalada? 
A tamala, yeah, we did do a tamalada. <laughs> and what we can do then is, you know, so we don't have to put it on our client to tell the whole story. We can then go find the people, the real people that were in those scenes and interview them and see, are, would these people make good witnesses? And it, you know, when we don't have to have it all on the client to tell their story, especially the, the bad parts, when the client can talk about their wonderful life before and how they are, are struggling to get better and do the best they can. And then we bring in other people to talk about not just their wonderful life before, but then let the other people talk about the devastation. So it's not coming from the client. It's so much more powerful. But, you know, the client, they just don't think. You ask them, well, we ask them because we do it from the very first meeting. Who else can tell your story? Well, I don't know. And then we'll give them examples. Well, maybe family members, maybe neighbors, and they'll list their family members and neighbors. They're not thinking about, okay, what are all the things I used to do? Who did I do them with? Uh, and so that's the best way. I mean, a way I've tried to do it because we don't always have time to do all this is, you know, I ask, what did you love to do before? And then who did you do it with? Uh, and then try to get the list that way. But it's so much better when we do the acting out because there's things that they just don't rem- and think people they wouldn't have thought to list. And maybe they thought, well, I don't know that person that well. I don't know that they would that they would come and speak for me. And like, well, why don't we find out what's the worst that can happen? Yeah, right. Uh, if I, they don't like you. We don't have to put them on our witness list. Um, right. You know, and I always have them recreate. The one thing that I do have, the two things I have them recreate is they recreate a job scene, let's say, because that's where they spend most of the day. And and as they're recreating it, I have them uh, focus on the movements. You know, it's like, it's not, you know, I get on the forklift. It's like, I pull myself with my right hand. I, you know, can you feel it? And I have them do it. And it's like, oh yeah, I can feel it in the back. I can actually feel it in the neck too. You know, they actually recreate it. And then Who's there? Who's there? And then different people that would have never come out, come out. Right. Uh, That's one thing. Another thing with when you're recreating the scene, it's interesting the way they're like, you know, we put them in the scene and it's like, oh, I remember my my glasses flew out. The clients have got to they they've got to realize themselves how they were the mechanisms of injury. And it becomes even more. it's more, it becomes more uh, convincing for them. It's like, oh, that's how I threw out my shoulder because I went like this, you know, and then the airbag exploded and, you know, and so they're, it, the way they recreate, the way they tell it after is so different, but, but all these little details come out when they, when you recreate things. If a lawyer wants to, you know, take advantage of these types of techniques, you know, what are some things a lawyer can do to, to get someone to help them or learn to do it themselves? Um, well, to learn it themselves, just listening to some of the things that, that we're doing today, the, the, just getting their, the idea of maybe I don't know my client and I need to go beyond because I think that just even our our lawyer analytical mind doesn't even let us realize that we need to step in and 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 do something different, right? So that's one thing. I mean, just right off the bat. But also, um, you know, I I I used to go to trial lawyer college uh, seminars that they still hold seminars that they will they will help you. It'll help you know how to do, how to get into into your own hide and your client's hide doing that. Um, And so 
those kind of things. I think that there's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of seminars right now that will take you to the legal stuff, but this is a little, a little bit different take. Yeah, I, I do think it's hard to do this. I think it's hard to be the lawyer and the person directing the story discovery because I used to try. I'm, I, you know, I, I met you. I used to teach at the Trial Lawyers College. Um, I've been to psychodrama seminar. I, you know, you go away for a weekend and it's mostly people in the mental health field and you're learning the, the techniques of, of how to do a psychodrama. Though I, I wouldn't pretend to be anywhere near qualified to do something with someone with a mental health issue or for therapy. But I mean, I, I think I know, you know, the role reversal, chair back, some of the basic techniques. But I found that either someone says something and my lawyer brain turns on thinking like, oh, that's not relevant or that's going to create a problem in the case. And then it, it, it keeps me from being in the moment doing the directing or I get so into the directing. I don't remember anything that happened <laughs> and I don't remember how to, I'm not thinking about how to use it in the case that it seems like to be so much better to have one person doing the directing and just worry about the story than the lawyer can experience it. Not as not while having to go through it, but actually experience what's happening and then go apply it. It just seems like it's too much to do at once. Right. And another thing that, that happens is, there are things that you can say to the client that I can say to the client that you can't because the client can't see you. They have to see you in their court all the time. There are things that I can say. It's like, okay, you know, if you're going to do that, the, you know, and I can say it because I'm going to be gone and they, they've learned to trust me. They know that I'm, um, I'm doing good for them, but it, but it's easier for you as a lawyer to sit back and, you know, and, and I tell the clients and I laugh about it. It's like, okay, I think your lawyer's going to kick me out of here because I've been scolding you too much. Are you going <laughs> to kick me out, Michael? And I use and I use a lot of humor when I work because this is a very you know unnerving thing for the clients. But yeah, so I I do agree that a lot of the lawyers that I work with they've learned that they got to do this early. We're doing before we even do stuff for the deposition. You know, they're bringing me in to discover the story, which is. You know, it basically is the same thing, but it gets you as a lawyer working on, oh, man, I've got to find these people. You know, I ask the clients about people that are in the context of their life. And I tell them, you know, not, you know, it could be your neighbors. It could be your coworkers. It could be your, you know, your grandkids. It could be, you know, people that are important in your life in the backstory in your context. It could be your they don't need to know about what's happening to you. They don't need to be in town because what I want to know is who knows your character. If it's grandpa in Houston that you used to drive to see every month and you can't do it, I want to know about that. Because we're starting to see, with seeing all the characters in the client's life, it's starting to get you. Because And a lot of times you're right. When we ask them, give me names of witnesses. And they won't even, they don't want to involve people. That's another thing. That's the other thing. They're totally. And I, and I tell them, you know, it's not, we're not, you know, I just need to, I just need to see your life. I need to see the context of your life. I need to see who could speak about or who, who knows your character. Now who could speak of, but who knows your character, you know? And then at, at the same time, while I'm doing this, you know, you know, what's, what's, you know, what is your, you're telling me about your child, little Richard. Well, that's, that's not a little, little Tommy, right? So Tommy, so how old is he? He's uh, 10, right? Uh, so he was eight years old. Oh, okay. Well, um, what's his career like? 
What do you mean his career? Well, you know, what kind of things did he like to do? Oh, he was in baseball and I used to have, then they're off into, into, into the back world, the world that was, oh, I used to, I forgot. I used to be, you know, I used to go coach or maybe I didn't coach, but I used to be the one that, you know, I was a, the cheerleading mom or I, and so there's just so many ways if you, uh, if you walk into people's lives in this way, you know, just actually open, being intuitive and just going wherever they take you. Yeah. And, and just to do this, it just goes good with a common theme. You know, we've, we've taken on fewer and fewer cases over the years. It just, you really do have to make the time to get to know your clients. Uh, and, and there's no substitute for time. I mean, just, you got to put the work in. Enjoying the episode? Do you wish you had Trial Lawyer Nation on the go? Well, wish no more. The Trial Lawyer Nation app is available now exclusively on iOS devices. Access our entire podcast library, create a favorites list, search for old and new episodes, and much more. It truly is Trial Lawyer Nation at your fingertips. Download this free app now and enjoy the top legal podcast for plaintiff attorneys wherever you go. Why is it you think that, you know, the lawyer who's going to try the case needs to be there and not just say, well, you know, you, you and my paralegal go get the client ready for depot. Because the client, the, the lawyer needs to connect with the client. It needs to. And I tell you something, sometimes um, by the time we do our work, and you know this, by the time we do our work, you can do a direct, you can do an opening statement, you can, uh, you can do a closing argument. You can, you know, sometimes that we will will step into the defendant's hide. Uh, you can do a cross examination. You're seeing it. You're not. You don't even need the notes. Well, you're not going to take notes when we're doing this work, but it's it's already in you. I was reading yeah. uh, something that somebody said about a, a case, um, and they they were talking about a case at trial. They said, you know, like these these things that I know about the client, like we're coming up. And I wasn't even, you know, I wasn't even, it was already in there. Like you, you've stepped, you really have stepped into their shoes. So Pat, how do you use these techniques then in, in actually preparing for the trial? We've talked a lot about how preparing the witness to testify. Now let's talk about how do we apply this to trial? Well, when we prepare for trial, we usually have already done this deposition prep that, that I've talked about. We will bring out the post-it, the huge ones, right? And so we'll take them back out. And so what I do is I'll, I'll, I'll set up a, a uh, jury, you know, I'll set up chairs and I will have the client uh, become a juror. I'll have the, you know, we, we learned this in, in uh, trial lawyers college, but I'll have the, the team become jurors. And, um, and so then I will, I will um, have the client go through the, you know, I'll go through everything with the client, right? Starting off with this is what life was and then ending up with, you know, this, you know, the effect of these parts of, of life. And then, um, so by that time, what I'll, I'll do is I'll, sometimes I'll have the client stand up. First of all, when I, before I have him stand up, I will have him be a juror and tell us what he wants to hear. And then I'll, I'll you know, I'll tell him, you know, I'll show them what what needs to be brought out, the pain, the, the you know, the medical, the suffering or whatever. Right. 
And so I'll ask the client, okay, you know, I'll, sometimes I'll do, I'll be the defense lawyer and say all these horrible things, right? And then I'll have them be the, the, the themselves there and give an opening statement for themselves. Uh-huh. And all these beautiful things come up because I'm kind of like pushing them, right? They've already become the juror. They know what a juror needs to hear. But, but when, it's a, when they're being attacked like that, they're like, you're, you're crazy. How dare you say that? How, you know, and so it's like this, this very raw emotion after they've been reminded of all this stuff. And so it's a, it, it, you know, the lawyer is being the juror and they're sitting there. Wow. Like they, you know, then they can take copious notes. Yeah. Um, and then I have them practice uh, being, you know, being doing, going through a direct then I have them, you know, I'll, maybe I'll be the, the, or one of the other lawyers be uh, the defense lawyer and ask and, you know, and just have them practice talking to a law, to a jury and get, you know, Josh Carden, our beautiful Josh Carden, um, who taught us to get up and, and shake everybody's hands as you're talking and, you know, that kind of stuff, have them. So I'm actually having them be there in the courtroom and knowing what it's like. But I think that one of the things that is very, very important is hearing the raw emotion of that client giving in their opening statement. And a lot of times, you know, if the husband is there, I'll have him get up and do the same thing. And so it, it depends on what is needed, but, but I do want them to realize, to become a juror and realize what a juror needs. Um, I'm going to have them practice the direct and practice practice the the cross exam um so just a little bit different but i but i i think the important thing is to get them back into thinking vividly about all this stuff yeah, yeah. and then getting that row in motion and they you know they're ready for for trial at that and point. then what, what we do to follow up on what you do is we actually then go when we can to an empty courtroom we try to do the courtroom of the if the judge will let us and it's empty if not you know a, a sister courtroom in the same courthouse and and then practice there, have them practice talking, then have them sit in the jury chair and then show them the difference between eye contact and no eye contact and how it feels. And, um, you know, just do a little practice there. The only thing I would say is if you're going to be the person examining the client uh, at trial, do not be the defense lawyer in a practice cross. Yeah. And you're right. That's why, because I step in, I step yeah. in and it's the same thing. Like, you need to, this is the, the uh, you're right. I, I, I do, cause I do that. I'll be, I won't let them do that. Um, it, it's the same thing. Like the clients can hear things from me, but they can't hear them from you. And, and it shouldn't be because they, you know, you're stuck there. So you're right. Yeah, we're, we're the protectors. And, it, and if we go and no matter how much we say we're role-playing, uh, if, it, when we beat up on them, it, it just, it, it, somehow affects it so we always try to and if you're a solo get a friend and you know and and you do it for your friend and your friend does it for you Um, but you know get someone else to to practice the the cross and you practice the direct uh, because we 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 need people are very vulnerable they're in a foreign environment I mean the courtroom is so is different for everybody uh, that they need they need you to be the protector and they need to have that 100% trust in you and so while it's important, I think to practice some cross, at least the key points that you know that they're going to try to get them on, it's important that you're not you not be the one. The same person doesn't ask those questions. It's going to be the protector right. in the courtroom. Yeah, especially when you have uh, when you have clients who don't speak English, 
you know, they need to practice not talking to the, to the interpreter, you know, they need to, and, yeah. and you know, and what I have them do is I, when I, like, let's say the, the spouse is going to do the same thing, you know, where I'm going to have the spouse uh, talk to the jury. And so then I, I have the client uh, be the juror and they're like, no, he wasn't looking at me. I'm like, you know, it's like, they get it. Yeah. Okay. You know, they, so it's not just having them do it. They have to be the juror to, to realize what it feels like, man, he wasn't even looking at me. He just kept looking. And it's so interesting when you put them as jurors, sometimes as jurors, they'll say, you know, I don't know. It's like, they're going to have to prove to me that did it. You know, <laughs> you're talking about yourself. You know, I don't know. I mean, if he, he didn't go to the doctor, he's going to have to prove to me. It's like, okay, sir, you know, because yeah. you know, now they know. It, and it's so interesting how they, they get caught off, not realizing it's themselves. Right. Yeah. And it's like, but now they, they understand what this jury and one of the things, one of the, the one things that I tell them at the end, I, I, I tell them these people that are sitting, Oh, because when I have them become, you're the construction worker, you, they're not going to pay you today. And I tell them, I want you, not only you, but the lawyer to, to really understand that we've got to give this jury all the respect in the world. We're walking in there with all the respect in the world. Cause you're the construction worker. Are you going to get paid? No. You know, you're the girl that works at, um, you know, what a burger. Are you going to get paid? No, not really. You know, when we, and so they, when they start realizing that and they have to realize it themselves because yeah. they need, you know, you, you know, these, these, these clients that say, well, what do I have to prove anything? One yeah. of the clients that told me, well, they just need to look at the picture. So they don't really understand that it is our burden. And, you know, we have to understand that it's it's not easy. It's not going to be easy for them. And they are honoring us by giving us their time. But they have to feel it in their own bones. Absolutely. And then that and that world reversal works so well. And it's so natural to us. I mean, we all did it as kids. Uh, yeah. and, and, it, and once we start doing it, it comes right back. And I, I've yet to have a client not thank us afterwards, even when it's rough, even when it's emotional. Uh, they've all felt happy they did it. Uh, I think even though it's not being done for therapeutic purposes, I think there is a therapeutic side effect. They all feel a little better, but you know, they also just feel respected, loved, cared for. And I think that goes a long way. Uh, well, it's not it, it, the therapeutic part is just the human part of being understood. Yeah. It's not, you know, I always tell, you know, the lawyers, tell the lawyers, okay, you're not the husband who wants to fix it. Okay. It's like, remember, we just want you to listen to us. And when people listen to us and we feel understood, it just feels, uh, it, it, it feels like therapy, like, you know, so it's not really therapy, but it feels like, okay, somebody in this world gets me. Exactly. That. You know, that's, that's beautiful that we can offer that to our clients. Yeah, love and understanding are always beneficial even, you know, and you don't need a PhD to, to give them. Right. So if somebody wanted to see if you were, you know, a good fit to consult with them on a case, how would they get a hold of you? Um, they would uh, email me at patmontes at monteslaw.com. Pat Montes, M-O-N-T-E-S at monteslaw.com. Right. And that'll be in the show notes uh, for anyone. Uh, I do... I hate to say this because you're already really busy uh, and and I want to make sure that we can keep working with you. Uh, but I, I have to, as you're 
as someone telling the truth, since we're talking about truth, uh, Pat is incredible. And I, I will tell you that she is one of the reasons that we've gotten some of the verdicts we've gotten because she's helped our, not just helped our clients learn to testify, but helped us learn the story that we needed to tell uh, so that a jury would care and, uh, and want to do right by our client. So I, I do recommend, you know, anyone out there as much as I, I'm scared that y'all are going to book her up and I won't be able to use her anymore. Uh, I, I do highly recommend working with Pat. Uh, and, uh, you know, we started off, I think, just working on Spanish language cases because I was working with some psychodramatists. But once we really started working with you, we, we use you on everybody. We don't. Uh, although you are, I think, the only person I know of that does this in Spanish. Uh, there's some other people that do that can do English language, but I think you have a pretty unique uh, gift that you can do it either in either language. Yeah, I can. And I'll simultaneously translate so it, it doesn't escape. You know, if the lawyer is really in it. Uh, For those that need it. Huh? Wait, I'm you, showing off. I said for those that need it. <laughs> for those that need it, yes. I will say that you, not only do you, I'm so impressed, not only do you speak Spanish, but you speak speak slang Spanish, which, you know, that, that <laughs> yeah, you grew up with us, with us uh, border people. That's I'm people. a border person, my family. Yeah. Can't take me. You can take me away from the border, but it's still in my blood. I know, right? Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I'd like to talk to you more, but you know, we kind of have a natural yeah. time for a podcast. Uh, and uh, so thank you so much, Pat. All right. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Trial Lawyer Nation. I hope you enjoyed our show. If you'd like to receive updates, insider information, and more from Trial Lawyer Nation, sign up for our mailing list at triallawyernation.com. You can also visit our episodes page on the website for show notes and direct links to any resources in this or any past episode. To help more attorneys find our podcast, please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast on any of our social media outlets. If you'd like access to exclusive, plaintiff lawyer-only content and live monthly discussions with me, send a request to join the Trial Lawyer Nation Insider Circle Facebook group. Thanks again for tuning in. I look forward to having you with us next time on Trial Lawyer Nation. Each year, the law firm of Cowan Rodriguez Peacock pays millions of dollars in co-counsel fees to attorneys nationwide on trucking and company vehicle cases. If you have a case involving death or catastrophic injuries and would like to partner with our firm, please contact us. We have experience finding potential defendants that other firms miss, and we've added millions of dollars to cases by finding these sources of recovery. If you have a catastrophic injury or death case where the policy limits appear to be insufficient, give us a call. If we can find another defendant, we can partner on the case. And if we can't, then we won't ask for any of the fees. You can reach Delisi Friday by calling 210-941-1301 or send an email to podcast at triallawyernation.com. She will coordinate a time for Michael Cowan to speak with you in person or by phone to discuss the case in detail. This podcast has been hosted by Michael Cowan and is not intended to, nor does it create the attorney-client privilege between our hosts, guests, or contributors and any listener for any reason. Content from the podcast is not to be interpreted as legal advice. All thoughts and opinions expressed herein are only those from which they came.